want. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of In the Huddle. We are here, episode 85 on this Friday, and it is a special episode of In the Huddle because we usually don't record on Fridays, but we saw that there's a full slate of football playoff football to be a little more specific this weekend with six big time games and we are here today to talk and preview about them with all of you guys so introducing all of ourselves I'm Zach with me is the real Will and Coach Mello Kenny C will not be with us today he will be back with us on Monday when we recap each and every one of these games boys how we doing today man I cannot complain whatsoever man I know there's a lot of things going on in this country but right now um you know I'm focused on tomorrow which is the wild card round of the playoffs the playoffs is finally here at one point I didn't know if we was going to make it this far but guess what we made it this far and I can't wait I'm excited let's get this show on the road gentlemen what's going on man just want to say happy Friday to you guys you know hey man this season went by fast you know we was you know in week one now I said we we're already in the first round of the playoffs you know I'm looking forward to seeing these crazy games tomorrow and Sunday as well. And also, too, man, can't wait to talk some football with you guys tonight. Let's get it. Yeah, boys, let's get to it. So topic number one, the first topic we will be discussing today. And here's the question. Right now, there are six head coaching vacancies in the NFL. We look at the Texans, the Jets, the Jaguars, the Chargers, the Falcons, and the Lions. So, boys, my question for you, out of those six, which option is the most attractive? If you're a head coach that is on the free agent uh, head coaching market, you want to get your first head coaching job, and you could have any one of those six choices, what is your top option? Well, Hassan, Zach, for me, you know, it starts with stability. When I look at these six teams, you know, the Texans, the Jets, the Jags, the Chargers, the Falcons, and the Lions, the, the team that I see that's more stable in this is the Los Angeles Chargers, solely because, you know, they have a rising star and, you know, Justin Herbert, you know, Herbert, you know, came in, you know, early, you know, came in early in the season, week one. Um, you know, he started off, you know, off backs in, in place of Tyrod Taylor. Um, I mean, overall throughout the season, despite his team going seven and nine, um, you know, his stats, you know, his stats wasn't bad at all. You know, he threw over 4,000 yards. Uh, he had 31 touchdowns, only 10 interception, um, um, 67 um, passing completion rate, you know, which is pretty good. Uh, also, too, um, there's plenty of talent on both sides of the ball. If you look, if you look at the offensive side of the ball, you have Keenan Allen, you have the the emergence of Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, uh, Austin Austin Heckler. Um, also, too, on the defensive uh, on the defensive side of the ball, you have um, Darwin James when healthy, Chris Harris Jr., Kenneth Murray, the rookie from Oklahoma. Um, you have um, Denzel Perryman, and um, let's not forget, you know, the two the two ends, you know, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. So. That right there, I, I just feel like, you know, it's more stable and more consistent for me. And, you know, the roster right there will be more suitable for me for, you know, to become a head coach. I think that this is a close, a close one in regards to the top two teams that's on my list. Now, the way how I'm going to answer this question is if I was the coach, where would I like to go? And that would have to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. The reason why the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach in vacancy is the more attractive for myself is because they got three things that I like. Number one, cap stability, draft stability, and um, obviously the generational type of talent that we all know as Trevor Lawrence. You have those three things. So now you got a lot of draft assets. You have 11 picks in this upcoming draft. Um, they also have the Rams fourth, first and fourth round picks with the Ramsey trade. 
They also have the second round pick from Yannick and Glockway from the trade last August. So now that you have the trade assets and more than likely you will drive Trevor Lawrence, who is the best prospect in this, you know, era, you can say, since Andrew Luck, um, now you have something to work with. Now you could turn water into wine. You know, um, mm-hmm. when you look at the Khan family, they don't seem to move on from head coaches right off the bat before you have time to, you know, take out your luggage. You know, they show with Doug Marone, they would be very patient. And that's all I need with regards of building this franchise back up is patience. Give me two years. With those assets, with Trevor Lawrence, I could turn water into wine like my name is Jesus. But my name is not Jesus. My name is the real Lil, and I'm keeping it real here. Yeah, so when I'm answering this question, I think I'm going to use a process of elimination. I think we could all agree it's not the Lions. That franchise hasn't been relevant in ages. The Falcons have a very good owner in Arthur Blank, and it's a big-time city. But I think the more and more I look at that situation, I just see full-on rebuild, and they may have to draft a quarterback. You look at the Texans, you see with everything that's going on between Deshaun Watson and him apparently wanting out. We're going to get to that in a little bit. Houston is off the table. As much as I love the Jets, I think coaching in New York does provide a unique opportunity coaching in uh, in the New York media, the New York market. And if you do win as the head coach of the New York Jets, you are going to be remembered for a long, long time. But right now, let's face it, that roster isn't really uh, up to par just yet. So at the same time, I'm actually going to agree with my guy, Will, and say that my answer to this question would be the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think one point that you didn't mention, Will, that I'm really going to use here is that when you compare the Chargers to the Jaguars, they are kind of similar in the sense that they are both, I don't want to say irrelevant, but they are both not the main uh, attraction in their respective cities. When you look at LA, we see the Lakers and the Dodgers and the Clippers. When we look at the Jaguars, that's more of a college football town with Georgia and Florida and all of the SEC down there. So I think in both places, you're going to need a coach where even with the assets they have and the talent that the Chargers have, that coach is going to have to make that team relevant. And I think when you look at the Chargers in a place like L.A., even though they have a lot of talent with Justin Herbert and a lot of the dogs on that defense, I just think that when you look at the history, Dean Spanos is a cheap owner. He is not an owner that most uh, coaches have really liked playing for. A lot of people, not including me, but a lot of other people thought Anthony Lynn may have gotten the raw end of the stick there. And let's not forget, you have to face Patrick Mahomes twice a year. As much as I love Justin Herbert, as much as I love the talent on that team, that is something that we can't forget about. And then when you look at the Jaguars, there's no pressure at all in Jacksonville. I think even if you draft Trevor Lawrence, there isn't going to be that many expectations for you to succeed uh, in your second or third year, just personnel aside. Plus, they're as bad as they were this past year, they have some young talent. Robinson, Chenault, Shark, some of the guys on the defense aren't too bad. I think my answer would be Jacksonville. I think there's less pressure and a more winnable division. I mean, do you feel like, you know, the Jacksonville job is like more, how to say, up for grabs or like it's like it's a job that you guys would take because, you know, of, you know, of because all the assets that's there right now? Well, I think it's just a matter of your belief in your coaching ability. I think right now you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars and we're all going to agree. This is not currently a playoff roster. This is a roster that is going to need to be improved and they're going to really need to be coached up. But if you believe in yourself as a coach, if you make the right hires at coordinator, I think that with Trevor Lawrence, that's obviously a great start with some of the weapons around you. And just once again, the fact that there really isn't that much pressure. When you look at the AFC South, 
Phillip Rivers has had a really good year, but odds are he's not going to be an Indianapolis Colt next year. Derrick Henry, as great as he is, we all know the stability of running back's health. And when you look at the Texans, you look at that team, and that team is, seems to be in shambles right now with everything that's been going on with Watson. So I think when you look at Jacksonville, the situation is just better as a whole when you combine everything on the outside and in. Um, you see, me and Zach is getting off to a very good start. I think that, you know, we should give ourselves a round of applause because we are actually agreeing right now. And he said it perfectly. I couldn't say it any better. It's, you know, the belief that you have in yourself, the ability to coach, the ability to coach up these young guys. Um, and I think if you have that confidence in yourself, all you need is about two years. Like I said, two years. Give me two years, and I could turn this franchise into a competitor with all the assets that, you know, we possess right now. And also, one more thing, too. Yeah, you know, as a human being, there's certain things that we look at outside of the actual, you know, you know, position itself. Location is one thing that I will bring up. Florida, you don't got to pay that income tax, my brother. So, yeah, I would love to be out there in Florida. That's why Jacksonville is even more attractive now that I think about it. So, I mean, moving forward, like, okay, so if you guys were to choose another team in this, I mean, what, what, what would you guys' second destination would be? Well, it would be the Chargers. It would be the Chargers. I think Chargers is a close second here for me. And I think Zach probably feel the same way, right? Uh, yeah, I would say the Chargers are second, but I'll say this. I don't think the Jets are as far off as everyone makes them yeah. out to be. Because I once agree. again, like, I think if you could win in New York, you're going to be remembered forever. The Jets, now that the Browns and Bucks both made the playoffs, right? The Jets now have the longest active playoff drought in the NFL. I know that's super hard to believe, but the Jets are just trying their best to fight for relevance. And I understand it sucks. We're probably going to miss out on Trevor Lawrence. But with the Jets, you have options as well. You have that number two pick. If you're a fan of Sam Darnold, you could keep him. If you like Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, you could take them. You also have two first-round picks extra in the next two years because of the Jamal Adams trade. Plus, there are some guys on that defense that got better and better as the year went on. Uh, so I don't think the Jets are as far off on this list as the t to the top as everyone may think. I agree. I agree again. Jets will be my number three um, choice here. But I tell you one thing. I don't know if Zach probably disagreed with me here. If I was a coach and I took the Jets opening, I'm getting rid of Sam Donald. I don't think that's no surprise here to anybody that watched the show that know how I feel about him. So I would move on from Sam Donald. I would draft Justin Fields, assuming that he falls to that spot. And, you know, we'll go from there. We got assets as well. They, they have the second most cap space behind the Jaguars. That's that another is, point to be made. That is correct. But also, too, one thing about that New York Jets coaching job, I feel like I don't want ownership to be a part of this hiring process. I felt like they should let Joe Douglas just take over and make the make the right right decision and bringing in the right guy for the job. I mean, honestly, um, when they brought in Adam Gaze last year, I wasn't, you know, well, not last year, but like two years ago, I wasn't a big fan of it because I felt like, you know, he was a one-hit wonder. I mean, one hit wonder, like, all he did, he coached up Peyton Manning that one year where Peyton threw over, you know, 55 touchdowns or whatnot. And, you know, for, and, you know, he did okay with Cutler. Well, Cutler threw 21 touchdowns in 10 sessions. But I feel like, you know, the hiring of Gates kind of, you know, depleted the team even more. And, you know, I was, you know, a bit bummed out when they got rid of Adams. You get what I mean? So I feel like, you know, there's no stability within, like, ownership and, like, the general manager. So, I feel like, you know, Joe Douglas should just take over the actual process itself and just make the right decision, bringing in a good guy. Yes, sir. 
All right. So that is topic number one, which head coaching vacancy is the most attractive job. Will and I both seem to say the Jaguars cam is on the chargers. It's going to be interesting to see uh, the interview process is really starting to heat up. I know the jets uh, interviewed Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator of the 49ers today. So we'll see what ends up happening. It's going to be super interesting, but anyway, boys, moving on topic number two, one of the teams we just spoke about the Houston Texans, they were in the news yesterday as reports have said that their quarterback Deshaun Watson may ask for a trade this upcoming offseason. I'm going to throw it over to you guys. Is there any team in particular that comes to mind when you hear the question, which team should possibly trade for Deshaun Watson? Because here's the thing, guys. I think that there is no guarantee that this uh, is definitely going to happen, that Deshaun Watson is definitely going to get traded. But it's always fun to come up with a possibility of different options. And if this situation with Houston is as bad as some people in the media may think, what team do you guys think would be the most uh, best fit for him? Um, first off, let me say this, Zach. You're right about that this may not happen, right? This may be all propaganda for media outlets like ourselves and the huddle for us to talk about. And we may see Deshaun Watson remain a Texan. But I do think he shouldn't. I do think he should want to leave the Texans because they haven't done right by him. You know, they promised him one thing and then another. They went behind his back, traded away his best wide receiver, his best target, his only target to be at that. And when you think about Deshaun Watson, real quickly here, I always ask myself, I sometimes I wake up in the morning and I stare at the wall and I say, what if Deshaun Watson had what Patrick Mahomes have right now? He will be the best quarterback in the NFL, I believe. Because when you look at his stats this year, there have only been four other quarterbacks in the NFL that have finished a season more than four, more than 4,500 plus passing yards, more than 30 touchdowns, fewer than 10 interceptions, and an average of 8.5 yards per pass. Those quarterbacks was Peyton Manning in 2004, Aaron Rodgers in 2011, Matt Ryan in 2016, and your boy, Deshaun Watson, who is on a 4-12 team. Where they do that at? Something don't mix here. So, I, so excuse me for probably being idiotic here and saying to the American people, I think Deshaun Watson, despite a 4-12 record, finished top five in the MVP voting in my list. All right, that's how great I think he is. He outshined through the dysfunction. Now, where Deshaun Watson should go, I have a team. There's a lot of teams that come to mind, but one sticks out. The Atlanta Falcons is that team in the NFC. Like I said about those weapons, those weapons are out there in Atlanta. You're talking about a guy in Calvin Ridley who is a number one wide receiver on most teams, if not all teams. He's shown he can pull that load up, pull that load up and be able to carry it. And he did for the most part with Julio Jones' injury. Next year, I assume Julio Jones will be healthy. You pair Julio Jones with Calvin Ridley. That's still one of the best wide receiver duos. And you have weapons for the guy. If you're the Falcons, you have the number four pick. You can trade um, Texan, the Texans, Matt Ryan, and that pick if you want. They can do what they please. But I think that the Falcons or the team that Deshaun Watson should want to go to. When you consider the fact that, yes, they're all 4-12, but that's probably the best 4-12 in team I ever seen in my life because they could have won a lot of games. Wow, Lil, I must say, bro, I totally agree with your point of view. You know, I get it. I love it. Great, you know, great points. What you made about Deshaun Watson. But in this situation, man, you know, I felt like Deshaun Watson been screwed over, man. Especially by, you know, it starts with Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, you know, trade, just like you said, traded away his best receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. You know, he got pretty much nothing. He turned like a second on pick for Hopkins. Are you kidding me? 
And, you know, I think this, this year draft coming up, these guys, they don't have a first nor second round pick. So, you know, what type of assets can you provide this guy? You know what I mean? I mean, I just felt like right now, you know, he should he should get out of Houston. You know, that should be his, you know, that should be the next move for him. I mean, the team that sticks out to me the most is the San Francisco 49ers. The reason why I say the San Francisco 49ers because Kyle Shanahan, he's a great, you know, he's great at developing quarterbacks. And it's shown from the time when he went, he was in the Houston Texans. He developed Matt Schaub. You know, he, there was one year where Matt Schaub was the leading passer in the NFL. He turned Matt Schaub into something. He uh, turned Matt Ryan into a MVP, uh, MVP player one year where Matt Ryan threw over like nearly 5,000 yards, over 30 plus touchdowns. And also too, when, uh, when he was the offensive coordinator in Cleveland, Kyle Shanahan developed Brian Hoyer into, um, into something. So in my opinion, I believe that Kyle Shanahan will put Deshaun Watson in a good situation to succeed as a quarterback. Also, too, in San Fran, you know, they probably may not be big-name stars now, but later on down the line, they will. They have Debo Samuel, um, Brendan, Brendan Urkic from, um, T- uh, from TCU. Uh, what's his name? George Kittle. Um, they have Ayuk. Ayuk, there you go. Brendan, um, George Kittle, also, too, they have a good running game. So it's to the point, like, they won't put too much pressure on Watson to do too much. So I believe right now, um, you know, San Fran is the good job, is a great fit for Jason Watson to go and be the next starting quarterback for them. Yeah, so when I look at this question, one thing I'm going to turn to right away is when I started this segment and I asked you guys, you know, which team is Deshaun Watson going to go to? And I said that there's a really good chance this doesn't happen. So when I am answering this question, I'm trying to give you guys a team that would actually be realistic and a team that would actually have enough assets to give the Houston Texans Deshaun Watson. Because I don't know about you guys, but if I'm the Houston Texans and I'm trading Deshaun Watson, I'm going to want to get a lot back. So what is something the Texans don't have right now? Draft picks. They're going to want a lot of those in order to, if they're going to trade Deshaun Watson. So ironically, the team that I have as the best fit for Deshaun Watson is the Miami Dolphins. We spoke about the Dolphins over the last two weeks. We've been talking about this a lot. I think that these two teams are in a perfect situation to make a big blockbuster trade. And here's what I'm going to throw out there. I think if I'm the Miami Dolphins, I'm going to offer the Houston Texans that number three pick that ironically was Houston's first round pick that they got in the Laramie uh, Tunsil trade. Then I'm going to offer my other first round pick this year. I believe that is the uh, 16th overall pick as the best team that didn't make the playoffs. And I'm going to throw them to a, I think that those three things could be enough to blow them away where the Texans could say, look, Tua, he didn't look great in Miami throughout his last couple games, but let's face facts. We could develop him with a new head coach if Deshaun Watson really wants out. Plus, we'll take your two first-round picks. We don't have any of those right now. And I think if you're the Dolphins, you'll get it from this perspective. I think that defense right now is good enough to win a Super Bowl. I think Deshaun Watson is a quarterback that makes other players around him better. And even though the Dolphins' skill position players don't uh, appear to be anything super special right now, I think Watson is a quarterback that if you bring in one receiver like Allen Robinson, combine that with Deshaun Watson, that running game, that offensive line, that defense, and that coach, I think if you put Deshaun Watson on the Dolphins, they enter a Super Bowl window. I really believe that. I knew it was a matter of time before me and Zach disagreed on this show. Gambling from rambling Zach, man. I just knew it. I just I just had it. I said, you know, this is going to be the take right here. That Zach is going to come out of nowhere with a left hook. All right, down goes everybody, right? Down goes everybody. Look, man, I will say this. Um, to the point that you made before you made 
the Dolphins take. Um, you said something about, you know, team a team being able to give the Texans something valuable in return for a talent in Deshaun Watson. And I guess I will refer back to my point just a bit before I touch on your point. Uh, with the Falcons, that number four pick, I mean, number three, number four, I guess you could say in NFL terms, that is a little bit of a difference than having the third and the fourth. But, you know, at the same time, that still is a good pick with the quarterbacks that are available. Also, you also get in Matt Ryan, a more experienced guy that you can start. And you can, hold on, hold on, that you can drive. Matt Ryan, though. But hold on. You're not ready to win around the quarterback position, so what are you doing with Matt Ryan? How is he? Well, you have you have Matt Ryan. Then let me finish that. I will get to the point, my brother. Patience, my brother. Get to the point. You get a guy like Matt Ryan on your team. So when you draft your quarterback at number four, because you will also receive that pick. If he's not ready yet, if you don't want to throw him into that fire, you can let Matt Ryan be like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type of guy that can probably play a half a season or a full year so he can be ready to take off. Because let's face it, the Texans are not in win-now mode right now anyway. So you may want to develop your quarterback as well. Right, so let me ask you this, though. If you're the Texans, though, what would you rather have? What uh, package would you rather get back? Would you rather well, get back what you said? Listen, the Dolphins or the the Matt Ryan and, and that number four pick, fun. Would you rather get that package back or would you rather get back Tua and two first-round picks? Which package would you rather get well, back? Well, there's no sign from the Dolphins that they're going to move on from Tua. I think that's just a, I right, Dolphins, I have an idea for you. But that doesn't mean the Dolphins are going to listen to it. I no, know for I, a I fact that the Falcons said that they wanted to move on from Matt Ryan. on the table. What, what would you do if you're the Texans? But I'm saying, Zach, also we have to be realistic here. That's never going to happen. I am happen. being realistic. I think the <laughs> That's Dolphins not realistic. That's not they could bring back. The, the Dolphins, I believe, as a small organization, know that they're not going to move on from Tua because of a couple games. All right? They're going to no, stay with Tua. No, but they're not, bro. Like, I, don't, you say it yourself. Deshaun Watson is a top-five quarterback. He is phenomenal. Don't you think that the Dolphins are in a position right now where if you put him on their team, they could be a Super Bowl contender? Because I do. Well, like I said, you could draft Justin Fields. I mean, it's the way how you – it's a different way how you Sean can look at But is Sean Watson more ready Maybe. to win a team right now than Tua? Because I think he is. Yeah, but that doesn't mean – like I said, Zach, they, I believe that they're going to keep Tua. I do believe that they put him in uncharted territory by taking him out of the game. I already know your stance on Tua, so it kind of doesn't surprise me how you feel about that. But I remain on my stance on Tua, and I remain on what I've seen from reports that came out this week that they're not jumping to move on from Tua. So they don't need Deshaun Watson. They could continue to, to develop Tua, and actually if they want with that third pick, draft a guy like Justin Fields. I know from a fact that reports came out that the Falcons want to move on from Matt Ryan. So if you want to move on from that quarterback and not have to go in a full rebuild, why not go and trade for Deshaun Watson, who you can pair up with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones? And you mean to tell me he took that Texas team to a 4-12 and um, you know, record? Balling out like that, he can take that Falcons team to the playoffs. Because I do believe the Falcons are nothing like that record that they have right now. Well, no, let's not forget. Deshaun Watson do, let's just say, let's just say he do, go to the Atlanta Falcons. Don't you know that he has to see New Orleans twice? Don't you know he has to see Brady twice? Don't you know he I has mean, to I don't Brady. think I don't think the Falcons, the Falcons are saying different. I'm not going to trade for Deshaun Watson because we have to see um, Drew Brees twice. I mean, they're going to have to see Drew Brees twice anyway with right. whoever quarterback. So right. why not have Deshaun Watson on your team? No, but here's my question, though, for you guys. I think that when you look at the Falcons, you could say, like, all right, they have – Julio Jones, they have Calvin Ridley. I think when I look at that team, though, like, I got to be honest with you guys, 
I think they may be in a similar boat to the Texans. I think they could be in rebuild central because they don't even have a head coach right now. And if you, as good as Deshaun Watson is, like, I think they might have missed their window with Julio Jones and that dynamic offense. When I look at Miami, though, Will, one thing it's that not I that yet, Zach. I don't think it's that. I think people writing their obituary too early. It depends. If they get a guy like Deshaun Watson, you cannot tell me those are not a a a, a play make like that's not a Tyreek Hill and a Pat Mahomes with a Calvin Ridley and a Deshaun Watson. I think people writing their obituary too early right now. I really do. If they get the right quarterback, I'm not a believer in Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is top 15, but I think you have to be top 10 in order to get to the Super Bowl or top seven to get to the Super Bowl, right? Only a lot of quarterbacks don't win Super Bowls. Great ones too. We all know that. So you right. have to be it, in that top it, echelon. It I think Deshaun to, Watson is right there. Yeah, it comes down to, a, I think, in the end of a matter of what is the most realistic option and what is being offered. And when you said, listen, when you said, um, uh, I know how you feel about Tua and Miami, so I'm not surprised. I just wanted to make myself clear. I never said that the Dolphins should just move on from Tua because he sucks and just for the sense of moving on. I think he could still be a really good quarterback in this league. The only point I was trying to make was the fact that I do think if you are in a situation like this one where you could get such an elite talent like Deshaun Watson and we could say all you want, oh, give Tua time, give Tua time. I think the Dolphins would be lucky if Tua turned into the player Deshaun Watson is. And I just think this is a trade that really helps both sides. I think that if you ask the Dolphins next year, who would you rather have as your quarterback, Tua or Deshaun Watson, they're going to say Deshaun Watson and they'd be willing to give up some draft capital for it. I really believe that. I think it's the best fit because Houston doesn't have anything around if they were to bring in the Matt Ryan. They wouldn't have anyone around that. Uh, they, if Matt Ryan can't win with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, why can't? Why would he be able to win with the Texan roster that Desha- with Deshaun Watson? They couldn't win five games. I just don't get that. I just think with the assets that the Dolphins have, you know, um, think about it, Zach. Like, the Texans just gave – they had the Texans pick. So why would the, the Dolphins kind of give it back? Like, you because know what I'm saying? Bill O'Brien's no not sense. their general manager anymore. And he's you know? Ruined so, the like, team. it's like, all right, you're helping me, so I'm going to help you help you yeah, help me. Right. Like, uh, like I don't, I don't agree with that, Zach. I really do. I, I think but, that you, but if the you Dolphins should keep are that. Getting, but if the Dolphins think they're getting better, why wouldn't they do it? If the Texans think they're getting better, why wouldn't they do it? That's so the Dolphins point. almost made the playoffs this year. I get it. With I get it, but why didn't they make it, bro? Because their quarterback couldn't do anything. Week seventeen against the Bills, he couldn't throw it past five yards. He got benched twice. That tells, that tells me a lot. He got benched twice. He got benched twice because they pulled his behind as soon as he faced tough waters. They didn't, <laughs> tell, they didn't tell him how to be a man. You know, so he couldn't handle man things, you know. So they, they, it was Ryan Fitzpatrick there to save the day. Like I said, Zach, I, I wouldn't put too much reaction into those couple of games that we saw to her. You know, I think that with a training camp, with an extra couple months for him to get healthier, because let's not forget the hip surgery, I really feel that that affected. Because, brother, if you watch the tapes, he looked far more mobile in Alabama than he does right now. And I can definitely say amen to that. So I think with another extra couple months to get healthy, this could be the tour that we thought that he was. Well, if that's I such think, an issue, then he shouldn't be playing then. That's uh, like, you know, that's how I think. Like, I think we all agreed to that. I just think we just looked at it differently after that point. All right. So that is another debate here on In the Huddle. It's going to be interesting to see what ends up happening with Deshaun Watson. There are a lot of different uh, possible places for him to go. So uh, we'll wait towards the uh, further in the offseason and we'll find out. But anyway, boys, we started off the show talking about it. The NFL playoffs will be starting up this weekend and we have the super 
wild card weekend edition, six games, three Saturday, three Sunday. And I wanted to get some predictions uh, in here. So let's start off Saturday schedule, one o'clock CBS. We have the number seven seed Indianapolis Colts heading to Buffalo to take on the number two seed Buffalo Bills. Luckily, there are going to be some fans in the building in Orchard Park. Uh, who do you guys like in this game and why? I like an upset. I like I like the Indianapolis Colts to upset the Buffalo Bills in um, upstate New York. Reason why I say that, I just felt like it's something about that Indianapolis team that you know we're probably not seeing right now. But it's like it's that team that like, we cannot sleep on. But if we sleep on them, like we're going to be in for a rude awakening. So I just felt like you know even though you know with Philip Rivers being there only for one season, you know I felt like Philip Rivers don't really get, you know did too much for them. You know the the run game for Indianapolis been outstanding. You know what I mean? Like, besides that guy went uh, went out for the year with a knee injury. I mean, Jonathan Taylor took over the load and has done essentially well for them. You know, rush over rush over 100 yards in those games. So I really feel like Jonathan Taylor is going to give that Bills defense a hard time at this Saturday against that Buffalo's defense. So I have the Indianapolis Colts beating the Buffalo Bills 32-27. Uh, well, I think to your point, Cam, in order for the Colts to have a chance, they do have to establish their running game and control the clock. You know, run down the play clock, the play clock till about five seconds and keep Josh Allen on the bench. Something that we never, well, I take credit. Something, you know, something that a lot of y'all never thought y'all would say was keep Josh Allen on the bench. Jonathan Taylor had been playing well the last couple of games, to be exact. Um, he's third in rushing yards with an average of 4.3 yards per rush. So, like I said, what they probably would want to do is to create some space outside, keeping the wide receivers in tight and spread out, and um, empty the boxes for the defenders of the Buffalo Bills. This way you can rush the football, and they have to, you know, account for the run. So, look, if they do that, they have a chance, and I do think they have a chance. But, man, it's hard to see um, what Josh Allen is doing right now, him and Stephon Diggs. I think Stephon Diggs is the X factor here. I mean, you can't guard the brother. He's good in short routes. He's good on deep routes. He's a good route runner. They just picked up Kenny Stills. I'm not sure he's going to play tomorrow. But um, we'll see what happens with Cole Beasley. But, man, I, I got the Buffalo Bills. I think they too much for the Indianapolis Colts. I got to see how Phillip Rivers playing the cold. Give me the Buffalo Bills 31-24. to 24. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you, Will. I'll take the Bills. And look, I like this Indianapolis Colts team. I think they're very well coached. I like Frank Reich. And as you guys said, Jonathan Taylor has been phenomenal. But I'm just not going to bet against this Bills offense right now. I think this playoff win, if they make it big, could be a statement where the Buffalo Bills say, look, I understand you may have been a little bit doubtful considering the fact that we this would be our first playoff win. But I think this offense is just humming right now. And Indianapolis defense – even though I'm a fan, hasn't been very good over the last couple of weeks. So I'm going to go with Buffalo to get the win. I'll say 34-23 uh, in the first game. But moving on to the next game, I'll start it off. The number six seed Los Angeles Rams will head to Seattle to take on the number three seeded Seattle Seahawks. And this is going to be the third time these two teams face off. They faced off in Seattle a couple of weeks ago. Seattle ended up getting the win. They faced off in LA about five, six weeks ago. The Rams ended up getting that game. And for me, one big key in this game is obviously going to be Jared Goff and the health of if he could play. One thing I will say is I was impressed with the kid John Wolford against the Cardinals. He was able to make some plays, and if he does play here, I think the Rams could have a chance to score some points. But with that being said, Russell Wilson at home in the playoffs, the way this defense is playing, I give the Rams a coaching advantage here. That's the one thing I will say. And Sean McVay could really scheme something up. I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams won. I think this is – Kind of a 50-50 game, 
third time playing between two divisional rivals, but I'll take Seattle at home just because their defense is playing much improved. But I'll say this as well. Their offense hasn't been great over the last couple of weeks. They barely beat San Francisco last week. That offense needs to improve if they want to go to the Super Bowl, which I think by the way, the way their defense is playing, it can, uh, they can. So uh, both units really need to play big time in order for them to get the job done. Well, I will say this, um, Zach. I picked the Seattle Seahawks to win the NMC West check. You know, got that right. Just want to throw that out there. But I actually predict the Rams to beat the Seattle Seahawks um, tomorrow night. I really do. Or tomorrow afternoon. I have the Rams winning 24-14, to 14, mainly because um, let's say John Wolf will play, which I think he will. I mean, you think about Jared Goff having a, a broken finger. I think that's hard to, you know, hold the football and throw the football down the football field with. So I think John Wolfel will get the start. I like what I saw after he threw that interception on the first play. He settled down and he wasn't rattled by that moment of having to win that game. I think that um, DK Metcalf is going to be put in check, man. It's hard for me to get that taste out of my mouth of what I saw when Jalen Ramsey literally made this guy a non-factor where Russell Wilson wasn't even looking his way. Now, the key for Seattle is to find ways to get DK Metcalf the ball, whether it's in space, whether it's pitching him the ball, try to get him the ball as best as you can. But I like the defense. I think Sean McVay will scheme something up for Wolford to get those short throws. And, you know, he's just a, a offensive guru, and I think he knows what to do. I think that the Seattle Seahawks will lose their first game, Pete Carroll, at home in the playoffs after going 5-0. and I think that's going to be a one behind it. Oh, man. Great, you know, great points by, you know, both of you guys. But just to make it short and sweet, I'm going to have to go with Seattle at home. Only because, just, you know, like I said, you know, they're at home. I don't see how a backup quarterback could come, you know, could come into Seattle and, you know, cause havoc. So I'm not going to, you know, buy in. I'm not going to buy into that stock. I mean, just like you guys said, the Seahawks defense been, you know, playing well lately. I mean, you know, this is Jamal Adams' first time in the playoffs. So I, I believe that, you know, you know, him being in the playoffs for the first time kind of will be a factor in, in this as well. And that's and just like you mentioned, though, they have to get DK Metcalf the ball. If not, I mean, I and Seattle, this Seattle offense gonna have a long, it's gonna have a long day against this this LA Rams defense. But I believe once you know, once when they get DK um, involved, you know, in passing game, whatever, however they do it tomorrow, uh, I believe that Seattle will like it's gonna be a shootout. Not not a shootout, but like a, a pretty close game. I'll say um, Seattle wins thirty four to twenty. Okay, I would say this. Oh, real quickly, Zach. I'm gonna just make this real real short. Um, what did it for me too is normally I you I'm used to seeing a lot of in, invincibility with Seattle. What I mean by in, invincibility is when it's a closed game at home, you know Seattle's almost a lock. And it started off the season that way with close victories, but then they lost to the Giants at home. Then they lost a couple games where it was close, you know. And I'm just like, oh, I don't see that in, invincibility anymore. This this offense is not as high flying as the last couple of weeks. You know, they haven't been that high flying obtained offense. They lost the Cardinals in overtime on the first meeting. So I don't see them as this invisible team anymore. And that's why I like the Rams. Mm -hmm. Moving on to the next game, Saturday night, we have the number five seeded Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading to the NFC East champ Washington football team. What do we think about this one, boys? Nighttime. What do we think? I guess I'll take this one first since I'm the Tom Brady guy here in this show on the show um i'm gonna go with the buccaneers 30 to 17 here look i would say this 
I don't think that it's a pencil in victory like the media is portraying. And granted, I don't listen to the media anyway because I know the media could lead you astray. And that's just how it is. They show it too many times. So I think this is a trap game for the Buccaneers when you consider we don't even know who's going to be quarterback. They can do something with two quarterbacks, which I believe that's the plan based on reports. And that could be very scary because you don't know what to prepare for, especially defensively. And the, the, the secondary of the Buccaneers – haven't caught my eye as it started to in the beginning of the year. I think they dropped off a little bit, but we do know how to get to the quarterback. And if we can sack Alex Smith, which we are more than capable of doing, he's on one leg. I think that it's going to be a field day. And I think that, you know, the offense is humming. It's the right time to get going. And I think we're going to continue that momentum against the Washington football team. I like the Bucks 30 to 17, but it's going to be close. Oh, whew. This game right here, honestly, I'm not, you know, I'm happy that, you know, the efforts the Washington football team did in order to make it to the playoff. But I just feel like it's Brady, man. I just feel like Brady, you know, Brady's going to go out there and just have a field day against that Washington defense, even though that defense was ranked second, was ranked second overall. But I just feel like, you know, there's more playmakers um, on, on the offensive side for the Buccaneers. I mean, Washington football team, you know, the defense going to hold up. I mean, it's going to be to the point the offense going to do shit. So, in my opinion, I believe Brady will go out there and beat the Washington football team 37-10. So, we got less than a minute. Do you want me to – we're going we gonna to pick up after this commercial break, y'all. Stay All tuned. Right, I'm good. I'll see you guys. All right, continuing with the, this uh, Washington-Tampa Bay prediction, I'll say this. I actually am going to pick the Washington football team to pull the upset. I really wow. love their ability to wow. get into the quarterback's face with only four guys. And – even though, as Will said, a lot of the media is acting out here like, oh, uh, you know, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers are a guarantee to win. Well, Tom Brady's a great quarterback, especially in the playoffs, no doubt. But I give the huge, huge coaching advantage in this game to the Washington football team. I would rather have Ron Rivera leading my team any day of the week over uh, Bruce Arians. And I'll say this at the same time. The Buccaneers also lost to the Chicago Bears on a Thursday night football game when Nick Foles was not able to do anything at all. And the Bears really showed you that in that game, if you could force turnovers on this Brady Buccaneers-led offense, you could beat them. I also think that even though the Buccaneers offense has been looking really good over the last couple weeks, that is against the Lions. That is against the Falcons. I want to see them do it against a consistently better defense like Washington. Well, um, one thing I would say, Zach, before we move on, because we had it for time, um, with the Buccaneers, and I kept trying to beat this in your head and everybody else had is that things take time. Not everything is going to click. You can't get three guys on a team and say run. That's just not how it works. And when they lost to that Bears team, mind you, yes, we all know Brady's history with teams that can generate the pass rush. He doesn't like to be in the pocket, a sitting duck in the pocket at that. But he was going through that and communication issues at that too. So when you have communication issues where you don't know where your wide receiver is going to be on a route and you're being pressured and that causes you to throw the ball before you wanted to throw to and you got Mike Evans going one way, the ball is going to go another, that's going to be cause for a disaster. And that's exactly what it was at that time. But mind you, I seen something. I seen Bruce Arians learn from earlier mistakes in the year with regards of running the football. They need to continue to run the football. Hopefully he doesn't go away with that. And like I said, man, they starting to get a rhythm. Antonio Brown, he looks like Antonio Brown of old. The speed on routes, being able to break off routes um, and, and lead the defenders, you know, basically on one leg. And you also got Mike Evans, who we don't know if he's going to play or not, but you still got Chris Godwin 
who I think is a very, very underrated wide receiver, could be arguably the best wide receiver on that team. He's that talented. I still think the Buccaneers have too much firepower. And I think that, you know, the pass rush can only do so much. Your offense is going to have to score, and I don't think they're capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. All right, moving on to the next game. This is Sunday, the number five seed in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens. They will head to Tennessee in a playoff rematch, taking on uh, Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, and the Tennessee Titans. So, boys, what do we think about this one? Looking I like for revenge. Yes, I, I do like a revenge game. Um, honestly, I like the way that Baltimore played the last few weeks in order for them, you know, to make to the playoff. You know, last you know last year, Derrick Henry, you know, bull rush against that Baltimore defense. But I like the two uh, the two additions that Baltimore got this offseason and Calais Campbell and Aguake. I mean, I feel like you know with these two guys clogging up the middle they're going to give Henry a run for his money. So, in other words, I feel like Ryan Tannehill is going to have to rely on the passing game more. <laughs> and honestly, too, that Tennessee defense hasn't been that same Tennessee defense from last year. So, I really think that this might be a redemption game for Jackson. Um, hopefully, the passing game could open up. And, you know, instead of, you know, Jackson relying more on his legs, he could rely more on his arm and the targets around him. So, I do like the Baltimore Ravens to beat the Tennessee Titans. 34 to 30. Cam, I like it. I like it. I'm going with the Ravens looking for revenge. Now, I got a couple things I want to say about the Ravens. Um, first of all, I'm not one of those guys that is is um quick to – how can I say? Quick to really get rid of somebody based on, you know, a, a little something here and there. For example, let me make this real clear. Lamar Jackson, 0-2 – in the playoffs, and a lot of people made it seem like his career was over because he he got to the playoffs two years in his first two years at that. Mind you, there's some quarterbacks that played their whole career, never sniffed the playoffs. The brother made it two, his first two years. That's an accomplishment in itself. So I think he hears the critics, um, and he's going to prove a point tomorrow. I mean, on Sunday, he's going to prove a point. Listen, they have a great winning game. Gus Edwards, um, J.K. Dobbins, they have a good running game that can keep Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry on the bench. And I do believe that the Titans defense is not good whatsoever. We saw what Cleveland did, walked right into them, punched them in the mouth, and they were too far gone to come back. If the Ravens do that same thing, if the Ravens do exactly what the Titans did last year, which is punch them in the mouth at home right off the bat, you cannot use Derrick Henry anymore. He becomes a less factor in the game, and that's their biggest weapon. And that's exactly what I think is going to happen. The Ravens going to come in there, punch them right on the mouth, get a high start, and Derrick Henry is going to be eliminated from the equation. And I got the Ravens winning that game 35-28. to 28. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you guys. I'm going to take the Ravens to win as well. Um, one thing I will say is that I do believe – that, okay, the Titans defense, they're not good. I get it. But my question going into this game is Baltimore going to be able to take advantage of that because we all know how the Ravens succeed by running the football. And I believe that Lamar Jackson could be a guy that is in for a big postseason. I agree with you guys when you said people could be a little harsh on him sometimes when you look at the fact that he's never won a playoff game. But once again, I think the fact is that the Ravens have to remember what happened last year. Tennessee got ahead early and Lamar was never really able to get going. They just ran Derrick Henry right down their throats. And I think the Ravens are going to be a little bit 
more prepared to play that same way. So I'm going to go with the Ravens as well. They're playing really good football. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson is playing great, and I think he's going to be able to take advantage of that from the Titans' defense. Moving on to the next game. Wait, the I, first- I have one more thing real quick. I yeah. believe that Jim Harbaugh will be, you know, make better decisions as a coach. John. John Harbaugh. I'm sorry. I don't know I say Jim. <laughs> but I think John Harbaugh will do a better job um, coaching-wise. You know, he won't make the same mistake like he did last season. Where like you know where he went for it on fourth you know on fourth and down and you know it ended up being tur- turnovers on down and that's how Tennessee ended up taking advantage of that. I think you know John Harbaugh is going to be more smart, more sm- smarter and wiser with the decision tomorrow. I mean, on and Sunday. if you and if you're the Ravens, this is a match that you want. You don't want no other match. You want the dudes that beat you last year and went into your house and beat you. You want this matchup, so it's in front of you. Take advantage of it. Absolutely. So moving on to the next game, the number seven seed in the NFC, that is the Chicago Bears. They're taking on the number two seed, New Orleans Saints. I'll ask you guys, do you think that there's any way the Bears could go into New Orleans and win because the Saints are the big favorite in this game? The Bears did not look very good at all against the Packers, albeit against the Packers uh, when Green Bay was playing for the number one seed. But do we all like New Orleans here? Because, look, I think the Bears can make it a little bit of a closer game than maybe we would all expect. But at the same time, I don't know if we could all see Mitch Trubisky going on the road being the Saints in a playoff game. Um, Zach, I think so. I think that they have a chance. Um, simply because we all know the Saints, we know their track record in the playoffs. We know, and we know there's one ride. This this is one last ride for Drew Brees here. So they could be caught in a situation where they looking ahead, like, "Yo, this is it," and the Bears come and punch them right in the mouth. That that's very well could happen. But I don't like the fact that Rockon Smith is not going to be playing in this game. And matter of fact, that may have tipped the balance for me because I was leaning towards going with an upset. But then you're hearing that they're going to get Mike Thomas back and Alvin Kamara. If Alvin Kamara didn't play, I would have picked the Bears, but he's playing. So I think Alvin Kamara is playing hot as anybody in the league right now. And I think, you know, the Saints is going to get the job done. I got them winning 24 to 14, about 10 points. Uh, I'm still iffy about this Bears offense. You know, the quarterback situation has been pretty shaky all year. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky is starting tomorrow. Uh, honestly, bro, I'm going I'm to have to go with an upset. For some reason, you know, one thing about the Saints, you know, the Saints, you know, be the hot topic around the league, you know, you know, heading into the playoff. But for some reason, I just feel like they want to find some way to fuck this game up, lose this game, and, you know, point fingers. So I have the – I'm going I'm to I'm predict the upset. I have the Bears beating the um, New Orleans Saints tomorrow 24 to 10. Okay, moving on to the last and final game. I'll take the Saints as well. Um, I just don't know if that Bears defense, even though it's very good in terms of the names they've had, they haven't been playing great recently. And maybe Drew Brees could get it going. I think playing in the Dome will help. I like the Saints. Final game, the Kevin Stefanski-less Cleveland Browns, the number six seed in the AFC, playing their first playoff game in about 18 years. They'll head to Heinz Field on Sunday Night Football, taking on the number three seed, the Pittsburgh Steelers in the AFC. I will take the Steelers here. Um, Roethlisberger has always been very good against the Browns. I think the Steelers' offense could be in for a big showing considering the fact that Cleveland's defense is not very good. Big Ben coming off the uh, week off when Pittsburgh hasn't had a bye week in a while. And I just think when you are missing your head coach, that may have to mean that you could be in a situation where you have to throw the ball as much as possible, which puts a lot more pressure on Baker Mayfield, gives him way more opportunities to possibly fail and cost your team the game. I think there's a possibility that Baker goes into this game with that mindset that he says, wow, we're missing our head coach. That means I'm going to have to do more. And that's not a recipe for Cleveland. I will go with the Steelers. I agree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think 
I think we um all in the green here. Look, um, I'm not a big fan of the Cleveland Browns, and we all know that those who watch the show. But lately, as equally, I hasn't I haven't been a fan of the Steelers as equally as the Browns either. But what did it for me is Kevin Stefanski not being there to protect and guard and shield Baker Mayfield. Because, look, I don't think Baker Mayfield is a guy that meets the eye. I think he has to have a a coach that can disguise a lot of things for him on the football field to make the throws easier for him to open up the playbook so he can be able to make those throws and, you know, somewhat be able to use his strengths on the football field. He's not going to be there. Now, you're also talking about an offensive lineman that's going to be out as well, a starting offensive lineman that you're going to be missing. So, look. The Steelers, um, they showed a little something in that second half against the Colts. I think Deontay Johnson is a guy that they're going to want to get going, and I think he will get going. And listen, I can't. I just can't. I think it's unfortunate for the Cleveland Browns. But like I said before, have your bags packed up, man, because you're going home. I got the Steelers winning 24-13. to Oh, man. Well, last but not least, me. Oh, man, it's, it's going to be a disaster from start to finish. You know, just like you guys mentioned, you know, it's- Kevin Sobeski will not be coaching, you know, this weekend. I just feel like, you know, the Steelers just want to take advantage of that. They want to, they want to make sure that Baker Mayfield have, you know, put hell on Baker Mayfield. And, you know, just like you mentioned, little Deontay Johnson, man, something about him, he reminds me so much of Antonio Holmes. So I feel like, just like you said, once when he gets going, you know, the rest is history. And, you know, forget, you know, forget the running game. The running game won't, running game is going to be um, at least factor in this game. I believe Juju, Juju and company is going to take over and just dismantle this Browns team. And I, I, I predict a blowout, 34-0. Wow, 34-0. Wow, you got the Steelers putting up 34 points, that offense yeah. right there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're going to take advantage. You don't have your head coach. Because like you said, they're missing certain guys, certain coaches too. So, yeah, they just want to just rate, just rate the Browns. Sorry Cam to say. left us with two hot takes in a row. Cam left us with. That's <laughs> yeah. for thought. Oh, yeah, right boys. Uh, that will do it for the, another episode here of In the Huddle. I really love Cam coming on this show and ending it like that. You love to see it. But, boys, I just wanted to say, hope you enjoy the weekend of playoff football. Always good recording with you guys. Same, same to sure. you, Zach. Same to you, Cam. Can you see if you're watching this? Same to you, my brother. And we're going to be back here on Monday. Recapping these games from the playoffs. Enjoy, everybody. Enjoy. All right. Have a good one.